A white man? No! Welcome to the Unsub is a White Man. I am Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we're back with more Criminal Minds. Um, I don't know how I feel about this episode, Emily. <laughs> I remembered it right away. <laughs> I did not. Through to the end, I was like, I don't remember a single second yeah, of like this the episode. Yeah, like the first frame. I was like, oh, this one. <laughs> I don't know I, why. I thought I remembered it ending differently, though. Mm. Um, so I was, what an ending! I was missing mixing the ending up with a different one. I'm sure, but mm. yeah, a similar one or a totally different. I one? have no idea. Oh, well, no clue. <laughs> uh, we are talking about catching out, which thankfully they explain. Yeah, in the course of this, lots episode. of lots of fun train lingo in yeah. this one. <laughs> if you're into trains, boy, is this episode for you. Yeah. Um, this originally aired October 29th, 2008. And I, I don't know if this just was an episode that like didn't hold my interest. So I was doing something else while it was playing or something, but not nothing, yeah, nothing. It was like, I was watching it for the first time again. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this one starts out, um, with a train arriving in Modesto, California mm. and a man hops off the train to some very ominous music. Yeah. And so my parents house growing up is like you've been there it's like really close to the train really tracks. close to the train tracks like you can see <laughs> them straight shot to their house I don't know like less than a football field's length of 50 yards maybe so this would episode be made you feel really good yeah yeah <laughs> so I was real comfortable right from the get-go yeah especially because when you live this close to the train tracks this kind of noise doesn't phase you at all like yeah hearing you don't hear the train anymore even though it's like right outside your window so you would not like anyone thinking like you wouldn't hear this person breaking into your house or whatever. Yeah, I was just thinking about it and like I don't hear the train at school anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. it's really close to the train tracks and I feel like last year I noticed it all the time because mm-hmm. it was our first year in the building and this year it just doesn't It just becomes me background noise. Like I remember the first time I brought Nate to my parents' house and it's like nice in the summer and windows open and people are just like talking and watching TV and stuff and he's like, do you not hear <laughs> this really obtrusive noise? And everyone's like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. No. Is there a train? Uh, yeah, so he wanders through some back alleys and then arrives at a nice-looking house. Um, it looks like... I feel like they use the same house for every shot of a nice house <laughs> in show. All the like houses the look the from same. from the James Van Der Beek <laughs> yeah. one, and all like the, it's all the same McMansion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you hear some screaming, and then uh, the really bloody guy takes a shower and cleans himself up. It's and like then, a montage of really close-up, disgusting, like licking his lips. And yeah, he's like blood breathing into a plastic bag, which yeah. I assumed was a drug thing because yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, his face has like sores all around his mouth. Yeah. And it keeps doing the like weird thing where like when it's his perspective, it's like a Van Gogh painting. Yeah. Like, everything's all like <laughs> hazy and weird. And it's like so off-putting to watch. I hate when they do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It is not a comfortable opening scene. Um, But yeah, it ends with him like cozying up into the dead couple's bed, like by their corpses. Which I didn't understand why you would go to so much trouble cleaning yourself up 
washing all the blood off, and then just crawl back in that bloody bed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Ugh, gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then we cut to Morgan who's putting cream and sugar in his coffee and he sees a pretty lady walk into the coffee shop and up to the counter mm-hmm. and he throws his entire cup of coffee into the trash to go get a new one so he can be in line behind her. Here's the thing. I yell at my kindergartners for doing stuff like this all the time. Yeah. Liquid does not go in the trash. Yeah. You're making a mess. Somebody's going to have to clean that yeah. up. <laughs> How dare you? I'm like, this is a truly offensive waste of coffee. <laughs> um, it's like, also just go buy something else. Else. Right. Like go buy a scone or something. Yeah. yeah. You can get in line for literally anything. A yeah. glass of water. You didn't have to throw your whole cup away. It's mm-hmm. so weird. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, he comments on her food choices, which would have been immediately off-putting to me because mm-hmm. like, who cares if I'm eating a brownie for breakfast? Right. Mind your own business. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. How dare you judge me in my whole sleeve of Oreos? Exactly. And then he just like keeps bothering her, even though she's showing like no real sign of interest mm-hmm. at all. And you're like, this is pathological behavior (laughs) this isn't isn't flirty and cute uh but then she calls him out on already having thrown out his coffee and calls him by name yeah and And he's he's like oh no uh how do how do I know this woman (laughs) it's great because he is like shocked at how not smooth he is yeah oh this isn't going well for me and he can't believe it yeah he seems confused by Mm -hmm. this when literally everything he does is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So then he goes straight to the office and tells uh, Prentice and Reed about the encounter, and they very <laughs> rightfully make fun of him because he thinks that he's hit on someone that he's already slept with and didn't remember it. Yep. And they're like, yes, that's that should be embarrassing. Uh, and he thinks he's like burning Reed because he's like, Morgan's like, this has never happened to me before. And Reed's like, yeah, it's never happened to me either. Morgan's like, that's because there's only one person. Like, that isn't a burn. That's not a dig at someone to be like, you don't sleep around a lot. Yeah. Like also, or, well, how old is Reed in this? Like, yeah, like 23. 23. <laughs> he hasn't had that much time. Like, chill out. Um, but yeah, uh, JJ explains the new case. There have been six murder burglaries with similar MOs along Highway 99 in California. And, uh, they, she says that they've already dubbed him the Highway 99 Killer. So dumb. Like, that's a terrible name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he targets one to two person households, bludgeons the homeowners, then ransacks the home. He eats dinner in the homes and sleeps in their beds. The Goldilocks Killer. Like Goldilocks, yes. notes Prentice. <laughs> and it's like, so call him the Goldilocks Killer. Yeah. That's a better name. Mm-hmm. Like, alert the press. <laughs> Uh, I guess there's DNA everywhere, but no prints. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that is, that's confusing to me because that guy was super high. Yeah, so. and really sloppy. Yeah, there's no way he and they kind wiped of tr- off all of his prints. Yeah, they, try to, they kind of try to make up for that they said this like later on when we see him doing stuff. And I was like, this is so poorly executed. Why? Yeah, there's no Why way. can't you just be like, there's fingerprints, but he's not in the system. Yeah. Obviously, he's leaving fingerprints everywhere. He's leaving as he's- many fingerprints as the BAU does when they examine a crime scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the train starts up again, and the, hill- the killer hops on board. Mm. So then we get our first quote, plenty sits still, hunger is a wanderer, which is apparently a Zulu proverb. Mm. Uh, on the plane, JJ wonders what sort of a serial killer could have such a huge range 
And luckily, Reed and Morgan have answers immediately for that. <laughs> uh, they say that either this killer is an itinerant homeless person or someone who travels for work. And JJ's like, oh, like maybe like a long haul truck driver. And can you guess what makes me extremely mad about the ensuing conversation? <laughs> I, I would think there was more than one thing. I'm going to start with Reed bringing up a long haul trucker killer. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like they bring up what Bruce Mendenhall, yeah. right? Who is a nobody. Nobody knows about him. Right. That's nothing. Why wouldn't you bring up the Frank green. Breitkopf? who is a person who exists in, <laughs> in this, this universe yeah. who is ostensibly the most prolific serial killer of all time no. and nobody mentions they him. Only and think, I hate when they, they do this. They never reference their own cases, Emily. Never. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> it drives me insane. <laughs> like, why would you not be like, yeah, like Frank, man, remember Frank? Ooh, that was a doozy. Remember that other case we had? No, I don't remember no, that case. No, slipped my mind. Um, I, I, was, I couldn't believe they, they didn't bring up the Green River Killer, right? That's not the guy they brought up. Well, they they were waiting for later on that one. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. that's true. They can't mention them all at the same time. Yeah. That would be silly. Um, but yeah, they realize it could also be somebody in corporate sales or computer tech or a land assessor or literally any person any that person. travels for their jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's... Really unhelpful. <laughs> They've gotten <laughs> nowhere. Narrow anything down. Uh, they also hear about the murder in Modesto that we saw at the beginning. So Rossi, Morgan, and Prentice decide to head there while the rest of the team stays in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Hodge says we're going to log a lot of miles on this one. Yeah. So Hodge wants to know who give, gave the killer his nickname. Um, hopefully because he wants to reprimand his lack of <laughs> imagination. And it turns out it was the lead investigator. I'm like, ooh, did you work with Jill from the Limelight episode, maybe? <laughs> uh, Reed and JJ are like, ooh, we're going to go work on the memo. Like, so they don't have to, like, hear this guy get reamed out by Hotch. Mm-hmm. And then they have, like, a very polite and reasonable conversation. Yeah, very professional. Where Hotch is just like, well, you see, if you give someone a nickname like the Green River Killer that like focuses on a specific area, then the entire investigation just focuses on that area to mm-hmm. the detriment of the entire case. And the other cop is like, thank you, I understand. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that seemed fine. <laughs> um, and he you also- have an unconscious bias. And he's like, hmm, didn't think of it that way. Yeah, and then he also tells him that all the other detectives who have come in from the other precincts where the murders happened would be more helpful where they, like, in their home districts. And mm-hmm. he tells them to send them all home. And the investigator guy's like, Sure, sounds good. And goes and does it. <laughs> I mean, like, he doesn't seem happy about it, that's for sure. But he also doesn't, like, there is but no he trusts fight him. about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's yeah. like, okay, well, I don't really understand your methods, but, like, we called you in for a reason and I'll do what you say. Yeah. And it's like, there's no, like, pushback or anything. No, they've had a lot worse for a lot less. Yeah. That's like, for sure. Everything was perfectly reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Morgan Reed and Rossi meet the detective from Modesto and they note that the house was the perfect mark mark for a burglary because there's no dog or a security system and no outdoor lights or anything. Um, they see that the nail polish remover was left out and Morgan says he was probably huffing it. So I was like, yeah, I knew a drug thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he came in through the laundry room and beat the couple to death with an iron. Like, oh, that is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, and they note that the intense rage followed by a long period of calm ritual is very strange. And yeah. you're like, yeah, especially when you're huffing nail polish. Yeah. Or- yeah. And I just, it was like a, all the observations were opposite. Like he was organized, but this is a disorganized crime scene and it was a frenzied killing, but he was very calm afterward. Like, 
okay, what are we supposed to take away from yeah. all of this? He was <laughs> everything all at once. He's all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the unsub also left his dirty clothes laid out on the male victim's body, and Rossi suggests that it's some kind of transference. He's playing out a fantasy. And it's like, it seems like literal. He's literally transferring his, his yeah. belongings off, but whatever. You're like, how'd you get that? <laughs> uh, Morgan thinks that it must be a homeless person due to the dirty clothes and the choice of drugs. And then Rossi gets an idea and calls Reed. And I really liked this one because he's like, Reed, are you near a map? And Reed just like turns around and does a 180. And yeah. he's like, I am now. And there's <laughs> a giant map behind him. <laughs> Uh, Rossi asks if there are train tracks linking all the cities and by golly, <laughs> there are. So I was confused at how Rossi came to this revelation. Like, was it because of the dirty pants? Just like the dirty clothes I guess in maybe general? that's, he's guessing that that's the only way that a homeless person would be able to cover that yeah, amount of distance. I guess. I was just so confused that like, there, I, there was obviously meant to be like something Rossi sees that is this light bulb moment. Like, Ooh, Hey. Let's double check this yeah. theory. But I didn't understand what it was. I was just confused as to how no one noticed that there were train tracks linking all of those, especially <laughs> when Reed's entire thing is supposed to be geography. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're staring. He, they've been at staring map, at a giant map. map. Yeah. <laughs> With giant train tracks, like, cartoonishly written all over it. Yeah. Uh, so then we see the unsub standing on a stop train, and we see a woman, like, wake up and shake her husband, and then she gets hit in the head, too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're back to the shaky camera work again. Uh, we see the unsub as he makes coffee and reads about himself in the paper. Um, and, you know, it's been a long time since we've gotten to um, see the unsub going about his business, it felt like. I was like, yeah. oh, finally. Like, we're getting to see a little bit of the actual crime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he like sets up the whole scene and like lays out the murder weapon and the paper and everything. Um, and then he leaves the house and then we cut to Rossi and Morgan who are talking to some sort of a train guy, I guess, (laughs) with the most inexplicable facial hair I've ever seen in my life. His whole look is really confusing to me. Um, uh, and then I had to know like if that was this man's like real life facial hair or costuming (laughs) choice or something that's what his facial hair actually looks like that's what it looks like on his imdb oh my god yeah um yeah i was confused because they're like they they're talking to this train guy like about the transients that hop on and off trains and i was like are you sure that this man isn't one of them no see because he's a bull <laughs> and the bulls and bows usually don't mix is what he tells them i love it i, love I had to rewind that scene like, like apostrophe bos like <laughs> i had to rewind that scene like four times and rewatch it and i'm like what is this man talking about so i think the bulls are like the cops or like security guards so yeah there must be like security guards and the for bows, the train yards the bulls are the hobos the hobos like, I feel bad about how many times I had to write hobo in yeah. this, but I don't know what else to but, say. you know, this, <laughs> this conversation reminded me, have you ever seen, I think it's just a cold open that's not related to anything else, on an episode of The Office where Kevin decides to abbreviate everything he says, but he abbreviates everything so much that no one can understand what <laughs> yeah. he's saying and all the conversations take longer? Yes. That's how I feel about hobo. Like, if you're just going to say hobo, it's not a labor-intensive word. If you shorten it to bows and you say bows a whole bunch of times out of context, this conversation Confusing. Yeah. Oh my God. It was bizarre. Um, but yeah, he says that the, the hobo's biggest problems are usually with each other, like turf wars, Yeah, I guess. 
Uh, and uh, when they hop off the trains, they usually go to this camp nearby where mm-hmm. they set up. Um, so <laughs> this is a great scene. Uh, Prentice calls from the road <laughs> and she says that all she's seen on the way t- from Modesto are rows and rows of crops and reads like, hmm, that's called farmland. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank you. <laughs> like, are you two aliens from outer space <laughs> yeah. that have come to be amongst people? It's like a third rock from the sun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like, thanks, Reed. <laughs> uh, the train tracks, I guess, run parallel to Highway 99. Uh, Reed asks Garcia to look for all unsolved homicides in small towns in California in which the homes are less than one mile from the train tracks. Easy peasy. Which actually <laughs> sounds insane, but is probably one of the most reasonable requests yeah. they've ever made of her. Not that there's a database of that, but it's like gonna it's going to take, gonna take her 17 years to get this information mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. But uh, of course, she's going to do it in like 10 minutes. Um, so, yeah, then uh, then we get our profile. We sure do. <laughs> yeah. Brace yourselves. So. First, Hotch begins that he just wants to reiterate that this unsub is not getting around on Highway 99. His travel is linked with proximity to railway lines. He's targeted five homes and killed eight people in six weeks. We're looking for a male, indigent, transient, in between the ages of 25 and 45. He's fit enough for the physical demands of train hopping, or catching out, as they call it. Mm. I was like... Oh, yeah. okay. I'm like, thanks for that. It's not going to come up again. <laughs> no. Thanks for that piece of information. He'll be bruised from jumping on and off trains, and he might just be beat up from defending himself in any kind of turf wars. He may look homeless, but he's taking clothing from his victim's home, so he'll be the only transient on the tracks in clean clothing. Trains in the rail yards are his home. When he gets tired of these, he chooses a house to make his own. He'll have pronounced red dry rash around his mouth and nose, what's commonly referred to as a sniffer's rash. Now, here's the part. We're, we're going to get to this part where they're talking about all the sniffing that I had to rewind so many times that I finally just put on the captions because I couldn't understand what Reed was saying. Yeah. How do we know that? He takes household cleaners and he's abusing them as psychoactive inhalants, nail polish remover, glue, paint thinner, lighter fluid, whatever's the cheapest tie available. And this is all over a montage of possible unsubs in various homes sniffing different things. Yeah. There's like an older guy with long gray hair sniffing things. Yeah. And like There's the a skinny guy, guy with yeah. the sleeves ripped off yeah. and the spiky hair. <laughs> And you're like, none of this is really all that relevant. No. <laughs> you're just explaining one image. for a yeah. long time. <laughs> and then Reed says they're referred to as Tully heads because they derive a high from sniffing toluene household chemical solvents. Once inhaled, the effects are instantaneous. Literally and, none of this is no, relevant at all. And he kept all. saying Tully heads. And I was like, what? And I'd rewind it. He'd be like, Tully heads. And I was like, what? They <laughs> put on the captions, and I was. They said Tolly heads, T O L L Y. Yeah. And I looked it up. I'm like, no one says that, but okay. <laughs> like, I can't believe I had to watch this this many times. Yeah. We believe he's living a fantasy out in these homes. The fantasy is that it is his house. He spends hours enjoying the comforts of his victims' homes. Upon leaving, he takes clothing, money, jewelry, and small electronics. If you get close to him, you won't miss him. He'll smell like a combination of human filth and paint thinner. Which I kind of don't understand because he's showering. Right. At every house. And getting new clothes and cleaning himself up. So yeah, like maybe the paint thinner, but like he's not gonna smell as bad as some of the other people you're gonna run into in these encampments. Yeah. Yeah. 
that I was a little bit confused by that. Yeah. Although I did like that because it's like, it's going to smell like human filth and paint. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the middle school class after gym. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Rossi and Morgan show up at the camp and someone yells that they're not looking for Jesus. <laughs> and Rossi's like, no, no, I'm here to talk about our Lord and Savior, Nutter Butter. <laughs> and this one guy is super into it. Um, Wouldn't you be? Yeah, and they ask about a guy who's, um, like, they don't want to talk to him. And he's like, um, has anybody, like, heard of or met a guy who is murdering families and pawning all their stuff? <laughs> and they're all like... Huh, no. <laughs> it's their uh, signature uh, interrogation move. Yeah. And they're like, well, I guess I guess go, nobody's heard of it. Was it you? Yeah. And everyone's like, no. No. Uh, so Morgan asks about their uh, symbols that are drawn all over the camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut to Reed, who's explaining pregnancy to JJ. <laughs> which is helpful. Um, and he says that the fe- that feeling the baby move really freaks him out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird. Uh, Garcia calls with bad news. There are three more murders that she's found, but they do think that they found the first one on the timeline. Mm-hmm. And Rossi and Morgan go to check it out. Garcia calls to tell Reed that the murders happen to coincide with crop harvests. And she, like, explains. She like Like, does, <laughs> yeah. Well, does the whole thing where she just, like, explains all of the stuff instead of just going, he's probably a migrant worker. Right. Like she just like, you know, sets them it's up. One of it's my like, favorite things they do where they just give them all this information so they can go, Oh yeah. It's like the way, like I'm like when I'm trying to like lead my second graders to a conclusion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that way they get to feel successful. <laughs> and Reed and Prentice are like, oh, they're like a migrant <laughs> farm worker. And Garcia's like, Oh my gosh, good job guys. You guys are so smart. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, a woman arrives at her parents' house, but they don't answer the door. She looks in the window and sees her parents' bodies, and they're the latest victims. What a rough way to come across Oh, my parents. God, I know. Uh, the team sees that the unsub left the news article next to the bodies and note that he's escalating. Well, and that's so weird. As usual, they seem very surprised by this totally <laughs> predictable turn of events. Uh, Reed says that they need to find him fast, or, as Prentice adds, Goldilocks will be sleeping in someone else's bed tonight. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, So Rossi and Morgan check out the first murder victim, who is an elderly woman who is known to uh, feed, like, the transient people in the community in exchange for odd jobs around the house. Mm. Uh, They said that there were 17 sets of prints inside the house. You're like 19 now that Rossi and Morgan have been there. (laughs) And Morgan notes that there was a symbol from the camp carved into a tree outside the house. Mm. Uh, So Prentice wonders about the change in victimology. The lightest couple is Hispanic while all the others had been Caucasian, which I thought was a really like interesting thing Mm -hmm. to point out. And Hotch is like, no, no, that's pointless. (laughs) You're like, geez. (laughs) But you guys bring it up all the time. I know. Uh, he says that the house was just an easy target. Uh, so JJ calls Reed to report that the jewelry from the Sacramento house was pawned in Modesto. They have, uh, not all that helpful photo from a security camera at the (laughs) pawn shop. It's It's just like a hat with a neck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, then we finally get a clear shot of the unsub. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, the guy from The Wire. <laughs> uh, so Rossi and Morgan are like interpreting all the signs from the camp and they figure out how they targeted the first victim. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And JJ sends them to the apple orchard to ask for employment records because I guess all of the like migrant workers, like they would have the records and they stay mm-hmm. in like government housing. House yeah. And, like, camps and and so everybody's like logged and checked yeah. in. I'm like, I doubt that those records are, are accurate. That's what I was all thinking. that accurate. But Especially sure. if you weren't a legal citizen, you wouldn't be like signing in and out. Yeah. I don't know, I, I don't know how how well I would they trust were, those they because confident. they have every incentive not to use real names yeah. or anything. Yeah. Like. They were very confident <laughs> that this was the key. Yeah. Um, so Hotch, Prentice, and Reed head to the farm to ask about the people who stayed in the migrant worker camps. Mm. Um, and they're like, hey, has anybody been <laughs> kicked out recently? And the guy's like, no. And the team's like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys. Again, a crack team. <laughs> yeah. They really um, go above and beyond with their detective work. I know. No one's ever lied to them before. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Uh, they wonder what's keeping the unsub in California since as he's obviously adept at trains, he could be literally anywhere right now. So he's clearly got a reason. Uh, the unsub walks, uh, through the camp and posts a note up on a bulletin board. Mm -hmm. Um, Garcia calls because she's found a group of migrant workers that the unsub most likely traveled with, uh, Uh, because all of their like logins it's like a quadrilla yeah quadria quadria (laughs) and i loved garcia's i know like they explain like garcia that it's not because she is it's her stepdad yes her stepdad's name but her spanish is bad especially because she and kevin spent all that time in one episode learning italian right (laughs) you'd think you'd have maybe transfer some of those skills over she has got nothing yeah it is um, painful to watch. Yes. Uh, but yeah, she uh, identifies Armando Salinas as a possible name as he dropped off the map uh, in one of the towns and what, he was traveling with them. Um, and he has a rap sheet for assault and theft. And she thinks that he might be in a nearby town because the rest of the quadrilla <laughs> is there. <laughs> uh, so then the FBI just like rolls up on this migrant worker camp, which like, I'm sure is not go remotely well. alarming and for they, these people. It's like, like they have ice with them. Like how, why? Yeah. This is, how is this helpful? Who's like, going to no, talk to you now? Oh my God. No one's yeah. going to talk to you. Bunch of morons. And their giant SUV with like the red, yeah. blue light going. I'm like, and these, like these people are going to be rightfully terrified yeah. of you because even if they are there, like with like legally with papers and stuff. Yeah. There's no there's there's no saying they're not going to get deported. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. This like is why, nonsense. Why you guys. is ICE there? What does that have to do with anything I that they're doing? Know. They're only there to question people, right? Yeah. God. Yeah, but a bunch of people like just take off and run. Yeah. And, like, who could blame? Yeah, them? I'm like everybody should be just running away. These people are a nightmare. Um, but yeah, there was one old guy who does recommend recognize Armando because he's his brother. Mm. And he is like 40 years older than Armando. Yeah, there's to be his dad, his uncle, I would have gone for. Yeah. But uh, he says he hasn't seen him in a few months, but he knows that he's following him because he keeps leaving him money. Mm. Um, Prentice tells him where the money is coming from. And this poor old man is like completely horrified. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel so bad you for know, him. Maybe their age difference isn't that great, but he's just lived such a rough life that he is aged a lot. Maybe. Right? Like all his hard work. Yeah. Um, also, you know, we get to see Prentice show off her Spanish, which is yeah. textbook. They say impeccable. like they say like three sentences in Spanish I before they conveniently switch to English. Well, I always think that they're like trying to imply that the conversation is continuing in Spanish, but we're supposed to 
you know, like we just. But he said something like I think he like said it in Spanish and then repeated it in English, and then she was like, "Oh, okay, we're 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 doing English now." I guess that's true. Trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, But yeah, now that they know that Armando is the unsub and he's in the vicinity, the search is on. So Armando's brother says he wasn't around when Armando was young. It's his half-brother. Um, but that Armando wasn't a good worker, and he was very resentful of the migrant worker life. We're like, yeah. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. Um, Armando looks... We see him looking into a house and seeing a woman, like, falling asleep on the couch. I'm like, that's where I spend most of my life. Yeah. Uh, the brother says that all Armando ever talked about was having his own house with a nice, comfortable bed to sleep in. Like, like we're getting a real deep dive on the motivation of this unsub, which I we know. haven't gotten in a while, which is nice. And then you really feel so bad for this poor man. Yeah. Um, which is kind of hard to, cause then you see him picking up like a garden shovel yeah. and walking toward the house mm-hmm. and the woman happens to be watching the news and here's a report saying that like you should lock your doors and turn all your lights on because this man is somewhere in your vicinity. And mm-hmm. she looks out the window and just sees him standing it's like there. Nightmare fuel. This yeah. is why I can't look out the windows at night. I'd rather just die blissfully unaware that I'm about to die. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she starts screaming, which scares Armando off and he runs away. Mm-hmm. Um, we see him run to a box car in the train yard and Morgan Rossi and some random police officer go on the hunt. You're like, well, obviously since this officer had a speaking line, he is dead meat. Yeah. Well, that's, I couldn't understand like, okay, is this like a local officer? Is this like a security guard for the rail? Yard? I think it was just a local police officer okay. who was with with them when Morgan they were, and Rossi I wasn't sure if it was the bull guy from earlier but I, I don't think so he looked like different. he was wearing like an actual police His uniform, uniform yeah um but yeah he walks into a box car and Armando like tackles him and knocks him out and just starts stabbing him like crazy yeah like yeah they're like we don't think he's armed and you're like, like yes he is, he is like and you he's know very, that he's very dangerous <laughs> you know that he's perfectly capable of like killing people with a a trophy, yeah. an iron. You don't and know what he has. He doesn't need anything special. Yeah, he doesn't need a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Morgan sees Armando hop up on the train and then hops on the train to catch him. And he's like, ooh, we're getting a rooftop train fight. Yeah, it's like a real <laughs> Indiana Jones thing. Yeah. So um, then Hotch and the detective drive up next to the train and sh- Hotch shoots Armando. Yeah. They're like, I remembered this episode with him getting away on the train. Oh. Like when Hot shot him yeah. and he fell off, I was like genuinely shocked because mm-hmm. in my mind he had gotten on the train and gotten away. Yeah. I mean, like, that I would have been more realistic. And more interesting. Yeah. I would, as soon as Hotch was like, get me up next to that train. I was like, you guys really think you're just going to match speed with this train and shoot him down. And be able to sh- like... And Morgan's right there, too. There's, like, no space between Morgan and No, he's, like, literally, like, kicking Morgan in the face. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Morgan's hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Like, maybe just don't go firing willy-nilly out of a car that's driving over top of train tracks. Bumping over train tracks. The car is moving. The train is moving. Your colleague is right there in range. Like, there's no way this is going to end well. Shooting wildly. Yeah. But, but it yeah, does it was, end well. It ends perfectly. Yes. I was disappointed in that. I was like, is this the Fast and the Furious? What is happening here? <laughs> and then the car goes under the train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, then we get a shot of Prentice going in to tell the brother that Armando is dead. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And you're like, no, you're not. You guys just <laughs> shot <him." laughs> um, But yeah, then you just see like uh, a shot of the brother working on the farm and looking out over the valley uh, Mm -hmm. while we get the ending quote, which is beyond the east, the sunrise, beyond the west, the sea, and the east and west, the wander thirst that will not let me be. 
Gerald Gould. Mm. Yes. Uh, so then, at the very end, we get <laughs> to meet Jordan Todd, who's yep. the woman from the coffee <gasps> shop. No way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she's the person that's going to be taking over for JJ during her maternity leave. And yes. we all know how that's going to go. Yes. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, oh, right, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Prentice and Reed uh, want to know how Morgan knows her because she is like, ah, yes, Derek. <laughs> but Morgan won't talk. He won't tell them. I'm like, you guys had this conversation like an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should be able to put two and two together and figure this out. So there, yeah, that's that whole storyline is coming now too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So much in this season. Yeah. So uh, they're proving me wrong here. I was sure we were on a bout of white men coming our way. I know. We have not a white man. So we are up three to two not white men in this season. Wow. 60-40 so far. Um, overall, 66 white men to 13 not white. So still around that 84% for uh, white men. Overwhelmingly white. But who knows? You know, Maybe there's a lot more of season four that I just don't recall properly. And there's more coming our way, I guess. I don't know. I know. I'm excited. Uh, so, really mixing it up. Right? <laughs> um, how would you rate this profile as far as accuracy, helpfulness, and plausibility on a scale of one to ten? I mean, it was... Uh, a really accurate depiction of tolly heads. <laughs> Is that the word? <laughs> it sounds too close to a racial slur. Yeah, was, I'm not comfortable. I didn't it. like it at all. It That's just what I thought like he said push. the first time, and yeah. I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh, but no, it was uh, basically essentially completely useless. Yeah, the only reason they got this guy was because of Garcia. Yeah, like she did all the work, mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, so like. Garcia tells them who the bad guy is, and then Morgan punches them into submission. <laughs> like, what, what? I guess until Hodge can shoot them. Like, yeah. what is the rest of the team even doing yeah. here? Yeah, like, do we need, we need to scale back. We could have major budget cuts. Yeah. Um, we don't need all these well, people they needed, here. Well, they needed Reed to look at the map and notice the railroad tracks. Not even to notice <laughs> them, to confirm that they were there. Confirm the existence <laughs> of railroad tracks. They needed Rossi to realize that... There were other modes of transportation. Yeah. Apprentice um, had to speak Spanish that yeah. one time and make the Goldilocks jokes. They did have JJ in that one conversation with Hotch be like, here are all the things that fall under my job description that I've done. I'm calling to let you know I've done my job. And he's like, man, what will we do without you? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. You guys seem fine most that of the time. That was also such a weird conversation because he's like, what are we going to do when you're on maternity leave? And she's like, mm, I'm working on it. And he's yeah. like, oh, do you have a plan? And you're like, you're the boss. Yeah. You should know what you the plan is. You should have the plan. Is. Why is this her job? Is everyone pretending like she's not pregnant? There's no plan. There should be a plan. Yeah. Like, okay, hot. Is it really that she just does so little that they don't even need to replace her when she's on maternity leave? Is that the truth there? Uh, Jordan Todd's not going to do a whole lot. (laughs) Um, So we had Hotch at an eight and a half for our Hotch watch. Any additions or subtractions with this episode? I'd leave him. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call it human, but I was impressed with like the civility of the conversation that he and that one cop were able to have, but yeah. that's not really like a human moment. That and was just like exceptionally professional in both of their parts. <laughs> I appreciated that. Did his job to a satisfactory level. Yes. 
Um, yeah, there were also, there wasn't a lot of that local guy. Like, I don't know why they bothered introducing him. Yeah. Because his character wasn't really necessary. I don't remember what his name was. So I don't he either. wasn't that important. Um, yeah, I guess there's really not any reason to add or subtract anything to that. Well, I guess that's that then. Yeah. Wait, did we score the profile or did we just talk about scoring the profile? Oh, it was, I don't know, like a two. Yeah. <laughs> it was really low. It didn't low. get an official number. <laughs> no, because yeah, it, it, it did no good at all. <laughs> it actually just falls off of the scale. There's yeah. nothing to rate. Um, the next episode is The Instincts. Yeah, sure. Part of a two-episode arc coming our way. I remember, like, just from the description of yeah. it, I vaguely remember, like, the overarching plot mm-hmm. of it, but yeah, not too. the specifics, really. I, th- I think this is going to be another one that when it starts, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe not. Because this last one, nothing. Yeah, nothing. I think it's because one of my all-time favorite episodes is coming up, and the memory of that clouds everything around it. Yeah. There's You're no like, these are the two episodes you have to get through yes. in order to get to the really good one. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I've, my brain can't hold on to any more of that information. Um, well, wherever you're listening, be sure to leave us a five-star review. You can find us on Instagram at the unsub is a white man. You can find us on uh, Redbubble if you're looking to sport some unsub is a white man merch. If you do, be sure to tag us and we will share you to our stories. Our theme music is composed and performed by Nate Youngblood, and the podcast is produced by Nate Youngblood. Thanks, Nate. And until next week, we'll be hanging at the train yard with the bulls and bows. Bye.